The table is significant, I believe, because it's the place where friends are made, where family is formed, where community is strengthened and the kingdom is extended. And last week I talked about the fact that it's, um, I understand from, uh, from the internet, so it must be true, that thousands of millennials are leaving the building completely dissatisfied with their experience of church because it's so superficial. Um, I actually did join in a conversation with some millennials on the West Coast this week about the fact that actually it's not just millennials, but Gen X, my generation, have left the building in great numbers. Most of the people I ran with when I was in my teens no longer attend churches. We understand it, totally dissatisfied with the superficial relationships they found there and it's become my belief that the reason for that or one of the main reasons for that is because church has replaced the table with the platform and I'm not suggesting we burn the platform I'm standing on it that would be very inconvenient what I am suggesting is that the church should really challenge itself we should really challenge ourselves about how much room we make for the table in our life alongside the platform and I don't want to preach last week's message. I haven't got time for that, but I'd really encourage you to listen to it because I believe it's what the Spirit is saying to the churches across this country and the world, not just to us. I just believe he's being kind to us and sharing it with us. This table series flows out of a conversation that Phil and I had in the summer. We went for a walk, took my, uh, our Labrador Meg with us for a walk into the woods. If you were a student, you were with us yesterday, you'll know exactly the walk because we did the same walk yesterday as me and Phil did. And, um, and Phil and I talked, and then we ended up sitting in our garden, and, and we ended up talking about our desire, our dream, our heart to see the church grow, not just numerically, but relationally, to not just to grow big, but to grow well, and our desire to build and to see authentic community based on authentic relationships. And in the midst of that conversation, we ended up talking about the table, and I'm talking about it now because Phil and Sarah asked me if if I would do that. So this conversation flows from a table called a walk in the woods. Why do I say that? Because a table isn't just a physical object. A table is a metaphor for a place and a space that you can create and invite other people into it. And that's what we did that day. So it's a talk on a table that flows from a table called a walk in the woods. Today I want to talk about a particular table called the Lord's table, which depending on your tradition you will know as the Eucharist, or breaking bread, or, or communion, or the Lord's Supper. Um, we are often uh, defined by our vocabulary, aren't we? You'll find me mixing all of those terms up deliberately, because I don't want you to pin me down to any one particular tradition. If you've got your Bibles, I say turn to Matthew 26, 26, and, and my prayer, Father, is that as we open our Bibles that you would open our eyes. We're going to take a bit of a whistle-stop tour of the New Testament now and read quite a lot of verses because I just want to get all the verses out there. Then I'm going to give you the headlines. Then I'm going to give you four lenses, all beginning with R. And then I'm going to hand back to San because we're actually going to break bread and take communion today. So, Matthew 26, 26. This is... Story of Jesus, it's called the Last Supper. And Jesus is saying this in in 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, offered it to them saying, drink from it, 
all of you, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then if you'll just move further on in the Bible to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Acts 2, 42. You know, when I first started teaching, whenever you said that, you'd get this wonderful sound of rustling pages. I used to love it. And every year that goes by, that sound of rustling gets less and less and less. And now it's all about clicks. Ah, oh, the old days, eh? The old days. I really don't mind what form factor you use as long as you use some mechanism to read your Bibles. Feel old. Acts 2, 42 says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let me just make a quick commentary on this section. Whilst I'm doing that, turn to 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 17. You know, in Acts 2, I think there are two hallmarks of the church that caused the church to grow in that passage. It grew supernaturally, but it also grew sociologically. Oh, big word. In Acts 2.42, what you see is the church experiencing the supernatural miracle sign and wonder of God. And in parallel, that's the supernaturally bit. But in parallel to that, it says they met together in homes and joyfully broke bread together. That's the sociological part of it. It's both and. We're pursuing miracles, signs and wonders, crash, bang, wallet, boom, zoom. But the New Testament church didn't just pursue the supernatural, it pursued the sociological, which is it gave people something to belong to, called community. It's a whole talk in itself. Move on. Right, 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. I love this passage. It makes me smile, really. In the following directives, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the Corinthians, who are a bit of a bad bunch at times. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. It's not going well, is it? For your meetings do more harm than good. Oh my gosh, it's going from bad to worse here. Um, In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body 
which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep, which means died young. Cheerful, but sobering. But if we were more discerning with regards to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with this world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further instructions. Flick one chapter back, one, chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 to 17. Three more verses and we've landed. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the same loaf. That word participation is the Greek word koinonia. It means fellowship, community. So participation equals fellowship, equals community. So we have community in, fellowship in, the blood of Christ and the body of Christ. And then last, but definitely not least, Acts 20, verse 7. So you just need to flick back two books. Or click back two books. Paul, <clears throat> on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the city the next day, he kept on talking till midnight. Don't worry, I haven't got any ideas from that passage. Those are pretty much all the relevant verses, really. If you wanted to kind of study the Bible on what breaking of bread, communion, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table is about, then you'd do well just to have a conversation with the Lord about those verses. Those are the verses everything I'm about to say is rooted in and based on, but I wouldn't want you to take my word for that. So I promised you some headlines and then four lenses all beginning with the letter R. So here are the headlines, which by de definition mean I can't spend any length of time talking about them. First, communion is not an optional extra luxury item that we bolt on to the way we do church. Communion was and remains an instruction from the Lord, which Paul took that seriously, he passed it on. It's one of the very few instructions Jesus gave us. He did say go, but he also said do this, and when you do it. So we should pay attention to it, because it's not just a nice suggestion, it's a command carries weight and significance and importance. Like baptism, 
breaking bread, Eucharist, communion, Lord's table, Lord's supper, is symbolic of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I think based on a reading of the Bible, we can safely say that the gathered church should take communion, break bread regularly. I'm not going to be prescriptive about how often and how we do it. It's not my assignment to do that. But I want to elevate the significance of it to you. The New Testament church broke bread regularly. I think it's also safe to say from read the Bible that they broke bread in various places, including the home, including the restaurant, including the park, and including the auditorium. I think part of what we've done to the Lord's table, we've done it a disservice by restricting it to the auditorium. I very much like us to export the Lord's table out into the world where we live in various ways because it, it smashes that sacred secular divide thing for a start. But it also absorbs it into being part of our life because this is not the only place we do community. Go explore what that looks like. Some of you already are, I know, because I've had photographs of people's tables this week. People showing me their table buried under a pile of stuff and saying, it's a work in progress, Mark, but I'm getting there. I was at lunch with Neil this week and Neil was telling me that Neil and Sarah were so excited because when I was talking last week about a table, they'd all just been out to buy a bigger one. And I'm really excited about how many more people they can get around their table. So, and then somebody went out for a meal with somebody else in the community this week and they took bread and wine with them and they broke bread together in the process. And I think... And that's not because I'm telling you what to do. It's because I'm saying, I'm creating a conversation, a community conversation about what does this look like? I don't know, but I think between us, we do. The next headline is, the Eucharist is a sacrament. Ooh, better explain that. What I mean by that in simple terms, because I like everything simple, is when something is a sacrament, it carries spiritual significance and it is a means of grace. So it has significance and it has something you can access. It's not just a physical act. So it's just like baptism in water, which is another sacrament. Baptism is sacramental and so is communion. It's a means of us accessing grace that we will not get any other way and it has tremendous spiritual significance. We should break bread creatively. We're going to do it different today. Not my idea. Other folks have just run with this and thought, let's do something a bit different today. Should do it creatively, we should do it joyfully, but we should do it respectfully. Paul to the Corinthians was kind of giving it a big health warning. Guys, this is, you're, you're messing about with something here, and this is why some of you are sick and some of you have died. This is like, I think, I think we're okay with, um, I don't think we should think this carries a death threat. I think it carries the promise of life. But we should not, underestimate its power and its significance. Jesus described it primarily as an act of remembrance, and we'll talk about what that means in a minute. Paul, as I said, encouraged the Corinthians to, to, whatever you do, do it in a worthy manner, and do it in a way that discerns the body of Christ. Two, Two ideas, right? So we want to do it well, we need to do it worthily, and we need to do it in a way that discerns the body of Christ. I feel like we owe it to ourselves to understand what that means. Because if we don't know what it means, the chances are we may not do it, at least only by accident. I think those two ideas of doing it worthily and doing it in a way that recognizes or discerns 
the body of Christ, is primarily to do with us honouring our relationship with him, but also our relationship with one another. To eat the bread and drink the wine unworthily or in a way that doesn't recognize the body of Christ is to break bread whilst there are divisions and prejudices and factions amongst us. And the reason for that is because the act itself is, about, is an expression ultimately of unity, our unity with him and with one another. And anything that gets in the way of that is a problem. It's interesting to me that when Paul reprimands the Corinthians, he doesn't say, you're getting drunk, stop that. He, he, he describes the fact they're getting drunk at these, these meals, but he doesn't go after the fact they're drinking too much. His target when he reprimands the Corinthians is, I hear there are divisions among you. Some of you are sitting upstairs in the best seats in the Roman house and you've got the caviar and champagne. And then there are some of you who are sitting on the ground floor in the cheap seats and you've got nothing. And to Paul, this was the abhorrence of what the Corinthians were doing to communion because they were doing it in a way that was completely at odds with what the cross has made possible, which is that we are all equal before him. He didn't go after the fact they were drinking too much. Does, that, does I think he's condoning drinking too much? No, 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 no. But it's not his primary target. That's why eating it worthily and eating it in a way that is honoring and recognizing the body is to pay attention to our relationship with him, but also with each other. That's why, last headline... I think it might be the last headline. It might be last but one. It's always dangerous. <clears throat> I walk away from my notes and anything can happen. Is this, the, the Lord's table is an invitation to self-examination. The trouble is with most of us, speaking for myself, is we can spend a lot of time focusing on what is wrong with other people in this community. They need to sort themselves out. They have got an issue. They need to deal with that issue. It's what Jesus called the tree trunk, yeah? Yeah, the tree trunk concept and the splinter concept. We've created this illusion that there's a massive problem over there and we're not paying attention to the splinter in our own eye. The Lord's table is a brilliant place to come because it's representative of the judgment seat of Christ, which is one day where we're going to stand before him and give an account of our life. And what breaking bread allows us to do is to get ourselves right on a frequent basis with him and with each other so that when we, when we get to the judgment seat, there's not a very long list of reasons why we didn't change because everybody else around us was in the wrong. It's self-evaluation. The, the Lord's table is, a place of, is ultimately a place of responsibility. It's where I take responsibility and you take responsibility for your stuff. Oh, it's called a place of maturity as long as you make it about somebody else and then you come to the Lord's table and all of a sudden you realise he's taken that option away. This is now all about me and him and me being right before him and with you. Okay, those were the headlines. I did my best not to take too long. Four lenses, all beginning with R. 
The first one is when we break bread, take communion, we remember him. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. That doesn't mean just looking back to his, di- his, his life, death and resurrection. The fact that Jesus lived and died is of no value to you or me whatsoever unless he's still alive today. That's why communion is not just a remembrance. It's also a proclamation. Because Jesus said, do this until I, I return. So there's an eschatological aspect to communion, which is we're doing it until he comes back. It reminds us that history is not cyclical. It's a straight line. It's his story. History is his story. It has a beginning, a middle, and it will end. And communion is a reminder to us that he hasn't just come, but he is coming again. But also that, where is he now? Where's Jesus now? Let's play where's Jesus now. Jesus now is in heaven. The writer to the Hebrews tells us that he is there today, right now, as a man interceding for you and me. We are reminded, we remind ourselves that if no one else is praying for us, Jesus is. It's amazing. We also discern the body of Christ by recognizing that he's not just there, but he's here. So when we break bread, we are discerning the body of Christ by recognizing that Christ is alive in you and he's alive in me. That's why we treat each other well. Because we're respecting the Christ in each other. It's beautiful. Remember him. It's not just, though, an historical remembrance or a reminding ourselves about where he is today. The sacramental nature of communion means that when you take bread and you drink wine, you are adding your amen to the yes of Christ for everything that he has promised you. That's the sacramental nature of it. That means when you take bread, you can be healed supernaturally. Why? Because you're accessing what he accomplished on the cross for you. It's a means of grace to us. This is not just bread and wine. This is a means of grace. It's powerful and it can be supernatural. The second thing we do, we remember him. The second thing we do when we break bread is we reaffirm our identity. The two sacraments that separate church from club are baptism and Eucharist. You are baptized not just into Christ, you are baptized into his body. Can you be a Christian without being baptized? Redundant question, I'm not even going to answer it. Just ask Peter or read Peter. But the way we remind ourselves we are not a club, we're not just a lifestyle club. It's not like belonging to Vine Life is good for me because it, it, you know, this is just a happy place where I feel better because I've got lots of great people around me and we sing and singing makes me feel better. So I'm just going to come and sing and that's great. Come and join my lifestyle club. Vine Life is not a lifestyle club. It's a gathered church of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways we remind ourselves of the fact we are his body is we break bread. And we drink wine and we just remember that we are the body of Christ. The audience gathers through invitation. The, the church gathers through initiation called baptism. The platform encourages us to separate. The table invites us to congregate. That's why we must have both. I am not saying we dismantle the platform, but I'm saying if we don't re recover what the table has to offer us we will not be the fullness 
of God in Christ. The third thing we do is we reaffirm, we reaffirm, all right, sorry, the second thing is we reaffirm our identity as the body of Christ. Augustine said this in the third century. He said, when you take communion, you are what you eat. That wasn't coined by somebody who spent a month eating McDonald's. He tried it, it wasn't very good for him. We are what we eat. Augustine in the third century, theologian, church father, brilliant guy, he said, you are what you eat. When we partake in the bread and the wine, we remind ourselves that we are the body of Christ. Third thing we do, touch on this already, we reflect, we remember, we reaffirm, and now we're reflecting on our life and the extent to which it reflects before him, in this community, and in the world, everything that Jesus paid for. The beautiful thing about a loaf, we're going to, I asked Helen Torrey, the Torrey family baked fresh bread for us today. They came out of the oven this morning. Oh, you all can't wait. I'll, I'll be quicker. Um, she carried them in and the smell, and the, and the, it was just amazing smell. Beautiful. The thing about a loaf is it's whole. And then you break it. He who was whole became broken, that we who are broken can become whole. And when we break bread and drink wine, we, we, re, we reaffirm our identity because we understand in our lives that we are the body of Christ, but we also reflect on the fact that whatever was separating us from him and from one another has been dealt with at the cross. So we who are broken become whole. The bread broken representing his death. As we eat the bread, the bread is reconstituted into the body of Christ and we literally remember him. The opposite of remember not being forget, it's being dismember. The dismembered body of Christ being remembered, being reconstituted by gathering around the Lord's table and sharing in the bread and the wine. The primary idea being community. And then finally, we renew our commitment to one another and to him. This is a covenant meal. It's, the, it's representative of the new covenant in the blood and the body of Jesus. When we take it, we remember him, but we're also reminded of the covenant that he has made with us. We are his, he is ours. Communion is the cornerstone, I believe, of community because it addresses the spirit of individualism, which is rife in this world. It's all about me and I. Very little we. The Africans have a brilliant saying, it's called Ubuntu. And it means, it, it translated into our language, it basically says, I am because we are. That's Ubuntu deconstructed for us right now. And that is really what communion is all about. It's saying, I am because we are, but also because we are. I texted somebody in this community this week and I just said, I am because we are. Because that person was adding something into my life and it was completing who I was. I believe the table of the Lord 
doesn't just deal with the spirit of individualism. I believe it, the table of the Lord is the place where all those people who have left the building are going to find not just God again, but find community again. They're going to come back to the table of the Lord and find somewhere where we all stand equal before him. There's no hierarchy at the foot of the cross. There's just him and us. The place, the foot of the cross, where we come back to the cross, there is only him and then there is only us. There is nothing to divide us. And when we find ourselves there, as we break bread and we take wine, and we remember him, we're able to recommit to him, but we're also able to recommit to each other because at the foot of the cross, there's grace. There's grace in the bread and the wine that empowers you and I, not just to live for him, but to live with each other. So many people find it easy to live for him and find it incredibly difficult to live with me or you because we're works in progress. The beautiful thing about this community is we steward grace really well for each other. And the beautiful thing about the bread and the wine is it's a wonderful place to come, recognizing we're all equal and find the grace there to recommit ourselves to Jesus, but also to one another. I'm done. I'm going to hand over to San. San's going to lead us now. And we're going to put some of what I've shared, I hope, into practice. And as we do that, have faith for what God wants to do.